This is Project Keto. I'm your host, Madeline Evergreen. This podcast is a result of my lifelong experience searching for the answers to my health struggles. I'm here to teach you the how-tos, practical tips, and tactics to eating a ketogenic diet. No more deprivation or confusion when it comes to your amazing body. Let's jump right into today's episode. Hi friends, today we are taking a short little break from all of our Back to the Basics lessons and we are going to have an interview with Lady Carnivory. She is really fun, really knowledgeable, super experienced with the carnivore diet and today she is going to tell us a lot about her journey with struggling with mental health issues and all kinds of other health issues and how the carnivore diet has helped her. And this is a little bit different than what we've been talking about the past couple of episodes, but it's going to be a great one for anybody who needs some motivation or inspiration if you're struggling with your health. You know, it's holiday time. We just had Thanksgiving last week, and I know a lot of people are struggling with the cravings and with the temptations, and maybe you were doing really well this summer or this fall, and you were really on track with whatever kind of eating plan you choose. And then here we go into Halloween with all the candy and then Thanksgiving and we've got all the pies and the stuffing and the bread and all of that stuff. And I understand if people choose that on a holiday, they're going to maybe go off track from their normal plan. But for many people, that's a slippery slope and it can cause a whole cascade of cravings and also other kinds of health issues. So maybe you're somebody who did decide to have a little bit of a dessert or something that you don't normally eat on Thanksgiving and now you're having joint pain or your autoimmune conditions have flared up or maybe you have skin rashes or acne or digestive problems or just the list can go on and on and on. And I want to just encourage you that um, you shouldn't be feeling bad about yourself. You shouldn't be experiencing shame or guilt. And instead, let's make a plan to move ahead. And hopefully this interview with JC, Lady Carnivory, is going to give you a little bit of a boost and some motivation to get back on track. And it doesn't mean that you have to do a carnivore or a meat-based diet, but whatever back on track means for you, whether it's keto or low-carb or gluten-free or carnivore, perhaps. I know the carnivore diet has completely saved my life and been absolutely instrumental in my own health journey, but I know it's also not something that every single person is going to be doing. I do have to say, though, that the carnivore diet is just such a fantastic thing to use as a tool. If you're not a person who wants to do it long term or for you know months or years on end, then you can use the carnivore diet as a tool. So perhaps you got way off track with Halloween and Thanksgiving and you're getting nervous about Christmas and you don't want to just go through the next couple of months binging on sugar or carbs or gluten or junk. So if that's you, then maybe you've made some mistakes and now you're going to use a meat-based diet or a carnivore diet for a week or two weeks or three days or a month, whatever amount of time is going to be helpful for you to decrease the inflammatory reactions that you've gotten from going off track on that holiday. 
And maybe it's an autoimmune reaction. Maybe it's a skin rash. Maybe it's something with your digestion, IBS or bloating or Crohn's or SIBO. And you can use a meat-based or carnivore diet as a tool to stop putting fuel on the flames and help yourself just kind of go, just kind of release a lot of this inflammation and get feeling good again so that you can go back to something a little bit more moderate like keto or just generally gluten-free or whatever it is that you know is something that you really need to work with. So I'll stop uh, jibber-jabbering for now and we'll get into this interview with Lady Carnivory. So hi, JC. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me on. Yeah, so um, I have been following you for a while now. I don't even really know how long, maybe six months or so. And your journey with carnivore and your whole health journey for like years has been so inspirational to me. Um, I grew up with a lot of chronic health problems, as the listeners probably have heard me say many times, so I can relate to your story, but I would love for you to just start by sharing a little bit about your history with health struggles, um, physical, mental, whatever you want to talk about, so that people kind of know where you're coming from. Absolutely. So growing up, I ate a very standard American diet, Um, and then it was when I was in high school, I had a lot of factors that were influencing me. I was in a very toxic relationship, just the pressure of high school, um, but I started to develop eating disorders. Um, and around that same time, I was actually diagnosed with OCD. So um, <laughs> around 15, I was diagnosed with OCD. I was experiencing anorexia and bulimia. And just throughout my childhood, I really loved animals. And so everyone was like, why aren't you a vegetarian? So I just thought I should be vegetarian. And in no way am I saying vegetarianism is an eating disorder, but it was definitely a, something that I used in my eating disorder to be like, oh no, I can't eat that because I'm a vegetarian. I really used it as an excuse. Um, so that was kind of where I started health-wise. Other than that, I didn't really have any issues as a child. Um, I do have scoliosis. And so everything kind of hurts hip down. I just have a lot of chronic joint pain, but that didn't start until I was, I don't know, 18, 19. And at that point I was starting to get into weightlifting. Um, And so I was dealing with this chronic joint pain, trying to get into weightlifting. And I just felt like I could never move forward because I really had this passion for weightlifting, but my joints really held me back. And so throughout the years, I tried different things. Um, I overcame my eating disorders and I stopped being a vegetarian and kind of went back to the standard American diet. And then I tried if it fits your macros. And then eventually I stumbled upon keto and that was a big game changer for me. So what kind of benefits did you get from keto? From keto specifically, I noticed a reduction in my joint pain and just more mental clarity. It wasn't necessarily that it impacted my OCD at all, but it did give me more, um, Like, I think a lot of people can relate to this if they've tried keto, where once you go keto, you realize you were kind of living with a mental fog and it's like just a mist that's in front of your mind and it makes everything slightly more difficult. Um, But then once you go keto, I, I know anecdotally, a lot of people have experienced more clarity. Yeah, definitely. I know I experienced that too. So then, um, 
why didn't you just stick with keto? I know that you transitioned eventually to carnivore. How did that happen? Yeah. So I had a lot of success on keto. Um, I experienced weight loss, which I'm not going to lie. That was a huge reason why I did keto um, was I wanted to experience the reduction in inflammation and then weight loss as well. Um, and I did really well with it at first. And then over time, it was just really easy for me to be, I'm so like black or white. And so anytime I was over my carb limit, I was like, well, I'm over my carb limit. I might as well eat all the carbs because I'm not going to be in ketosis anyways. So it was really difficult for me to stay on track. I just felt like I was kind of yo-yoing back and forth. I wanted to be keto because I had found such success and felt better with it. But at the same time, it was really hard for me to stay on track because it is so black and white, right? If you're over your carb limit, you're going to be out of ketosis. So eventually I heard the Sean Baker, Joe Rogan podcast about carnivore. And at the time I thought carnivore would be an easy way for me to restart keto because part of my problem with keto is all the like meal prep and stuff that I was doing. I'm not saying that keto has to be complicated, just that I was overcomplicating it. Um, and so I felt like carnivore would be a really simple way to restart keto. Boy, was it different for me. Um, I know a lot of people have a lot of success with keto and like, I am so happy for them that they get to include so many food groups in their diet. But for me, it was a night and day difference. Um, uh, I started carnivore for the weight loss and I stayed for all the health benefits. So like what kinds of health benefits did you get that were so different from keto? Almost immediately, my joint pain was gone. Um, and I think anyone who experiences chronic pain can relate to this. I can well, relate. That was like the first thing for me too. Yeah. And when you experience that, it's like, you will do anything to make the pain stop. And it's so hard to allow it back into your life. Like it's so hard to want to be able to tolerate that again, once you know, it can be different. So the joint pain alone would have kept me on chronic work, but I did notice over time that, um, I always describe my OCD as like an angry toddler in my head, asking terrible questions all the time. And over time that voice got smaller and smaller. And I had tried medications, like a variety of medications. I had tried behavioral therapy before, um, carnivore and nothing fixed. I'm not, I don't want to say fixed me. Um, nothing like stopped the OCD from happening. Like nothing made the OCD smaller. It just helped me manage it better. Um, but carnivore actually shrunk the OCD. It's like the voice in my head got smaller and smaller. And now I don't have OCD behaviors or compulsions anymore, which is amazingly freeing. And I wouldn't give that up for the world. Mm -hmm. Now I've heard your story a lot, um, just because I love hearing it. And so I know all about your OCD experience. And I don't want to take a long time on this podcast to hear all of the details of your story, because I know that it's available in a lot of places. So before we even like move on, can you just tell people where are some good places for them to hear like your full story? Absolutely. Um, I know I've done 
things specifically with OCD and my eating disorder too, because I think that's an important part of my story. Um, the Michelle Hearn, um, The Dietitian's Dilemma, she has a bunch of material. Um, we've done two interviews together. Carnivore Cast is another really great one. Scott Mislinski had me on and we talked about my OCD. And then um, the third one I would recommend is Keto Savage. Um, we talked about OCD pretty extensively as well as body recomposition on a carnivore diet. And don't you have some maybe YouTube videos or something on your Instagram where you also talk about those stories? Absolutely. I've done a series of lives. <laughs> they're just get ready with me as they're really casual. But I talk about my experience with OCD and overcoming eating disorders um, and how that relates to my carnivore journey as well. Okay, perfect. So anybody who's listening that hasn't heard all of those go and listen to them after this interview, because you're really going to want to hear a lot of the details that we're just not going to get into the history today. I just kind of want to take today to pick your brain and um, ask some different kind of questions. So I teach a homeschool nutrition course for teenagers. And it's really interesting because at the very beginning of the course, they fill out like a health questionnaire, kind of like a symptom questionnaire. And it's not really for my benefit. It's mostly so that they can see by the end of the year, if they make changes, if they've changed, because it's so hard to remember sometimes, like it's hard to remember if you had anxiety or if you used to have, you know, skin rashes or whatever, it's easy to forget. But something that's super interesting that I've noticed is that almost 100% of them struggle really bad with anxiety, depression, or mood swings. And then very, very few of them struggle with digestive symptoms like bloating or diarrhea or stomach pain, that kind of stuff. And my personal history as a child and as a teenager, I didn't really have any mental health problems or severe anxiety or anything like that, but I had horrific digestive problems. So it's fascinating to me, though, to see all these teenagers that are struggling with their mental health. Some of them, it's very severe. They're on medications, and it's a really life-altering issue. Other, it's more mild, and it's just kind of a daily irritating thing going on. So I want them to hear from you. What kind of advice do you have for teenagers struggling with mental health problems who might not they don't really get yet that nutrition is really seriously impacting them. Absolutely. I think that being a vegetarian during that period of time was the absolute worst case scenario for me. And there's really three reasons why I think this. The first one is, um, I think a lot of people are familiar with insulin resistance and the concept of insulin resistance in the body and how it contributes to type two diabetes. Um, but you can actually be insulin resistant in your brain as well. Um, and I think this is really important because as we know, insulin resistance in the body prevents your body from functioning appropriately. So insulin resistance in your brain prevents your brain from functioning appropriately. So by reducing sugars and carbs and overall glucose in your body, you're going to um, develop better insulin sensitivity throughout your body, but especially for those experiencing any sort of like anxiety or depressive um, symptoms, it's super going to help you in your brain. So like how, like what would be the first step for a teenager to start 
changing their diet or switching things around when they're coming from a standard American diet and they love like they love socializing with food and maybe like eating out of the vending machine with their friends or going to, you know, restaurants or whatever. And now they're a teenager and they have to make this change or they want to try. How would someone even navigate that? I think it's a matter of best choice. Like what is your best option in that situation? I don't think um, any of us can expect to live a life with perfect food parameters for the for all time. We're always going to have situations, whether it be social or occasional, where you're just in a situation where you can't have the optimal food. So at that point, it's a matter of what is my best option? So for example, for a vending machine, um, looking at the options in a vending machine, I would probably go for nuts because anything else is going to be processed carbohydrates or sugars. Um, So I think really it's reducing the processed carbs, vegetable oils, and sugar, and then increasing the amount of animal proteins and fats. And then would you ever suggest to somebody, I guess whether they're a teenager or an adult, it doesn't really matter, that like has severe problems, like maybe they're struggling with OCD, or maybe it is a digestive issue, like they are, they have chronic diarrhea, and they can't even like go out and live their life. Would you ever suggest to somebody to do like a total overhaul and just dive into something like carnivore? Or do you think you have to ease your way in? I think that the carnivore is most powerful as an elimination diet. So truly, um, whether someone eases into the diet or they start with the elimination phase, doing that at some point is going to be so powerful because when you remove all the histamines, when you remove all the plant toxins, when you remove all the glucose, you're going to find your baseline for existence. Like how can I feel my absolute best? And then when you reintroduce things back in, you can see how that affects your baseline. Um, so some people truly do need to ease into a carnivore diet, especially people who have been eating a ton of oxalates. So whether that be from, you know, nuts or avocados or like lots of like green leafy vegetables, easing in a carnivore is going to be much easier for them because they won't experience, it's called oxalate dumping, where basically your body is ridding itself of the oxalates and it can be very um, stressful on the body. You can have headaches, nausea. Some people will actually see the crystals leaving their tear ducts. So some people truly do have to ease into carnivore. Um, Some people who avoid vegetables like myself can jump right in (laughs) and start with the elimination phase and find that baseline really quickly. I have a a quick little story about oxalate dumping. So how I first like eased into carnivore, I didn't know I was easing into carnivore, but one of the first things I did after doing keto was quit all oxalates. And that's what really dramatically reduced my physical pain. But um, I felt like I had sand all over my back. Like my husband would like touch my upper back and he's like, it's sandy. Like there's like always dust on your back. And I, it's, I swear it was oxalates coming out of my skin. And now it's not like that anymore, but it was like, I would rub my back, like with my hand, like by my shoulder blade. And then there would be like literal tiny crystals. And so I, I experienced that issue of like the over oxalate dumping where I, I went all in too quickly. So I had to kind of like back up and then ease into quitting the oxalates. But I agree with you that it can be really helpful to remove oxalates, at least at some point. Absolutely. And I think, especially for us, you know, people who experience joint pain specifically, they're going to have the most benefit removing 
oxalates. There, I know that there are some people, some carnivores or some ketovore people who can eat, you know, lots of avocado and nuts and they're totally fine with it. But for me specifically, that would be really difficult because joint pain is one of the biggest benefits I get from this diet. Yeah, I agree. And it seems like you just never really know how you're going to respond to these different quote unquote diets until you try things and then see like, wow, this elbow pain I've been having for 10 years is just gone, you know, or whatever it is for you. But I think it's really important that people, especially young people kind of open their minds to just trying something new to see like what you said, where's your baseline? Like where, where do you actually feel the very best? And did you know that you could actually feel that way? Yeah. So I want to switch modes a little bit here and bring up um, some questions from some people on Instagram. One of them is my friend, Kari. She's a really good friend of mine. And for some reason, I don't know why, but I think this question is hilarious. And I laughed like a lot when she sent it to me. So she's, (laughs) she's wondering, do you ever get the meat sweats? (laughs) I don't know why I think that's really funny. Um, so I, the only time I experienced the meat sweats was the month before my competition. So I did a fitness competition at the end of July. Um, and my protein ratio is super high in comparison to my fat. And that was the only time I've ever experienced meat sweats. Um, it's super fascinating. Um, do you know the function behind them? No, I have no idea. Well, uh, here's my theory, but it's probably wrong. I always thought people would get the meat sweats because they're eating like a ton of really bad quality salt or bad fats, or the meat is like overly processed with a bunch of junk ingredients in it. And then it's really like the toxin sweats, but I've never experienced the meat sweats. So I don't, I don't really even know what that is. So I believe it's the thermogenic effect of food. So when you eat food, different foods are going to have a different thermogenic effect. Um, So it takes different amounts of calories to process food, depending on how much the food is processed. So for example, if you were to eat peanuts versus peanut butter, peanuts have a higher thermogenic effect because you have to chew them and break them down, whereas peanut butter is already kind of broken down. Um, Similarly, in terms of macronutrients, there's you know, carbs, protein, and fat. And protein is actually very difficult for the body to digest. It just takes more energy. And so if you're eating a super high protein ratio or um, a super low fat ratio, like um, whether or not you're eating carbs, um, anytime you eat like spike the protein, you may get meat sweats just because your body is running so much energy to process that protein. That's so interesting. And what do you think of this? So whenever I do really high protein days and I decrease my fat, I'm freezing cold. Like I'm not sweating. I'm like so cold. I can't even stand it. So your body is using the energy it would usually use to keep you warm to digest your food. Okay. So do you think that people just maybe respond differently? Like you might get the meat sweats or you might get cold or something like that could happen. Absolutely. In that month before my show, like I would wake up in the middle of the night, either sweating and like throwing off blankets or freezing cold and adding more. And I live in Florida. So it's like, for me to be adding blankets in summer was incredible. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never really thought of it that way, but it makes a lot of sense. So um, Kari, my friend who asked that, she said that her brothers get the meat sweats, so she can tell them that. (laughs) I don't know why. I just think it's really funny. Um, Okay. Another question for you. This person said that she feels 
good for a day or two trying carnivore, but then she craves vegetables so bad that she can't continue. So why is that? I would say um, she's probably not fat adapted. Um, So I think anytime we crave carbs, it's likely because our body is used to that fuel source. And glucose is the easiest fuel source for our body to use. If we don't have glucose, our body actually converts protein into glucose. So I think it's just your body's way of saying like, I would like the easy energy source, please. Um, I always struggle when I hear people saying like, oh, I'm going to try a week of carnivore. And I'm like, that's going to be the worst week of your life because you're adapting to a new energy source. You may have digestive issues and it's like not giving carnivore a fair shot. So it's like the worst time period. Um, if anyone is going to try carnivore, I really try and push them closer to 30 days because it's going to allow them to adapt and start experiencing the benefits rather than just having a really crappy week. Yeah, that's what I did for probably like a year I kept trying to do carnivore and I would do it for like three or four days and it was horrible and then I just wouldn't do it and I kept thinking that it's just not for me and I just really like vegetables but um once I at one point I really shifted my motivation and just did it for a month and then I haven't stopped and it's been over a year so I get that I totally agree that it is not always pleasant at first So what do you think that that person should do? Like if she's craving vegetables and she feels bad, what should she do? I would say it really depends on what her motivation for carnivore is. Um, So for example, for us, um, because we do have joint pain, I would look at reducing oxalates and increasing animal proteins and fats. Um, Personally, I kept condiments in for a really long time. So like mustard and hot sauce, I was careful to avoid vegetable oils and careful to avoid sugars. Um, And then the other thing I would consider keeping in would be something like berries where you can hit that glucose cue, um, but in a low sugar way and start reducing the amount of oxalates. Um, So again, it really depends on her motivation for carnivore, but that's what worked for me. So if somebody were to want to do carnivore like 100% and they don't want to ease in, but they're getting cravings after a few days, like what can they do? Like, should they just eat more food? Should they increase their fat? Should they just expect they might feel it and just ride it through? Yeah, I think expectation is huge, but also make sure you have eliminated artificial sweeteners. I think that those can hit a lot of craving cues for a lot of people. And then upping your salt intake and upping your fat intake, I think are both super helpful. Um, The fat is going to keep you satiated and the salt will help because um, it's going to help with your electrolyte balance. And then two, if you are feeling stressed or anxious about the transition or the cravings are stressing you out, cortisol is actually a huge consumer of sodium in the body. And so you want to make sure that you're keeping your sodium levels high. Um, and that'll actually help with cravings because a lot of times when we're craving something is because our body is telling us we need something. And so if it is that it needs sodium because of the cortisol and uptake, um, I always find when I feel like I'm having cravings and I don't know why increasing my salt is the number one thing that helps me. That's a really great tip. So do you just put more salt on your food or do you drink electrolytes or what do you do for that? So personally, I eat salt to satiety. So day to day, my salt intake is going to be different depending on how much water I've had, how much exercise I've done, how stressed out I am. Um, So I think that's a really hard thing to like prescribe to someone, but I do think you should be eating it to satiety. I don't think we should be intentionally eliminating it. Um, And then for electrolytes, 
The only like supplements I recommend on carnivore would be iodine if you're not eating seafood and then um, magnesium and potassium. And we would totally get those from our water except we filter the crap out of it. So you can either take an electrolyte supplement um, or you can drink mineral waters. Cool, okay, great. Now, another question for you. Have you noticed that your taste buds have changed since doing really any of this, but specifically carnivore? Absolutely. I was actually talking to someone about this the other day, like before carnivore, a steak was a steak was a steak to me. I could not have told you the difference between cuts of beef whatsoever. And yesterday I was actually talking to a rancher and I was just like, this cut tastes slightly livery to me. Like there's just a note of liver. And they were like, you've been carnivore for too long because <laughs> like I'm talking about meat cuts, like they're, they're it's a wine tasting. Um, but it is incredible how quickly your taste buds do change. And now everything um, is like way too sweet to me. So anytime I do have something like a blueberry, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so sweet. How do people eat this? Yeah, I feel the same way. My husband right now is doing the lion diet. So he's dabbled in carnivore for like as long as I have, but he kind of comes in and out of it. And so he's been strictly only eating ruminant meat for the month of October. So it's only been a couple, like two weeks almost, but we ate scallops the other night and he's like, oh my God, these are way too sweet. And he kept exclaiming about how sweet they were. And then I have, I don't eat like a lot of sweet foods, but like, I'll have different, like like element and stuff like that, where there might be some stevia in it. So I, I'm not at that point where he is right now. And it didn't taste sweet at all to me. So it's kind of amazing how your taste buds do change when you take all sweeteners out. Absolutely. Like lobster is sweet to me. Crab is super sweet. Even shrimp can be sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to be like what you said, a steak is a steak is a steak. I used to kind of think like, Like, I don't know who these food tasters are that think like everything is so unique or like wine tasting. I just used to think like everything basically tastes the same. Like there's meat and then there's vegetables and then there's fruit and it's all just kind of blah. Now I'm where you are, where I can taste significant differences. Like if I buy chickens from one farm and then from a different farm, it's like a totally different kind of food. It's not even comparable. So it's amazing how people's taste buds can change. And I've been um, talking a lot about that in my homeschool nutrition course, because of course they're all, there's most, all of them are currently eating sugar and struggling with the thought that like you can enjoy your life without that. Not that everybody has to give up sweet things forever, but some of them might, may need to. So the other day they all got to taste 80% dark chocolate, 88% and 92. And it was really fun to see what they thought because some of them thought all of it was like horrible. Like you can't even eat that. And for me, if I eat a piece of 92% chocolate, it tastes like straight up candy, like way sweet. Like this is very much dessert, not at all. Like this is a dark piece of chocolate. So it's just interesting how your taste buds really do change and you can experience more variety of flavors, but also more enhanced sweetness. So switching gears again, I just wanted to, um, wrap up here by hearing if there's anything else that you wanted to share with people or, bring up or mention to the listeners? 
Yeah, I think one thing I've seen in the carnivore space since I've been in it, it's been about a year and a half for me is, you know, I see these trends come and go. Um, but one thing I see quite often is this trend towards more extreme approaches. And while I do think that there's huge benefit in doing the lion diet or using carnivore as an elimination diet and finding that baseline, I don't think it should be our goal to do that forever. I think it's totally cool if people start adding things back in. Like I always say, we all have different health histories and different goals. And so that's going to determine what your diet is. Um, that said, I fully recognize that I may have to be carnivore for the rest of my life for my health reasons to maintain my mental health and to just not experience joint pain. Um, and because of that, I think I have a more lifestyle approach to carnivore where I'm trying to figure out how I can make it as fun and accessible and enjoyable as possible for the long term. And I think the thing for me is like, I did come to carnivore because I wanted the weight loss benefits. And I think a lot of people come to carnivore because they're trying to experience uh, fat loss specifically. And I think that's awesome. Um, the part that I don't love is when I see these extreme approaches to get there. I think that you're sacrificing a lot of things in the short term for a short term benefit, because that's all it is, is your whatever your goal, ideal body image is, that's going to be a short term benefit unless you continue to pull these extreme levers to get that physique. Um, all to say, <laughs> sorry, I feel like I go on a tangent on this every time. No, go for it. Is I think that there's huge power in the elimination phase of carnivore. And I think there's huge power in figuring out what works for you and what will work for you long-term. And that's not to say your diet is going to look exactly on day one as it does day 565. But that is to say that there is a lot of dogma in the community, and I would just love to encourage people to find what works for them, what's sustainable for them, and just focus on yourself, focus on your own health. It doesn't matter if someone else is eating raw, unpasteurized dairy. If that doesn't serve your health needs, ignore it. If someone is doing rolling 48-hour fasts and you have a lot of hormone issues that you need to repair before you can do that successfully, ignore it. It doesn't serve you. There's no perfect carnivore diet. There's just the perfect diet for you. And you're the only one who can identify that. So I'll get off my soapbox now. No, I love it. And then one more um, last question here. Do you think that there's anything that you could ever do personally so that you can have like you can have oxalates or you can have a lot of variety of food and not experience OCD or joint pain or other bad symptoms? It's definitely something I'd be open to exploring in the future. I think um, currently I just know my body's going through a lot of healing right now, specifically after my show um, and just the the repair on my metabolism I need to do right now. I don't feel like personally I'm ready to start reintroducing anything. And I think the reintroductions are going to be different person to person. So for me, the oxalates are something that I have no interest in reincorporating anytime soon, just because I know the joint pain that'll come with it. However, I do think that there are other things I could bring in and be okay. Um, so I, I think that's a highly personal thing, and it's going to de depend on each person's individual timeline. Personally, I'm in no rush um, to get to the reintroduction phase. I'm really satisfied with the food that I'm eating right now. Um, but I do think that we shouldn't judge people or 
be concerned when they start reintroducing things. I think we all came to carnivore for either weight loss or better health. And a lot of us have stayed for better health. And so if someone can eat something and it doesn't harm them, we need to not judge them for that. Awesome. All right. Well, where can listeners hear more about you and follow your whole journey? Oh my gosh. Um, so I'm most active on Instagram at Lady Carnivory. I do have a YouTube channel. Um, I'm going to be putting out a lot more cooking content soon. Um, and if you're interested in any of my recipes, those are at ladycarnivory.com. Yeah, you have really creative recipes. So if anybody is bored, go there. <laughs> like seriously, it gives people a lot of ideas. If if like I love to develop uh, recipes, so it's fun to see like when people make something that's really creative that you never knew, like you make carnivore ravioli and stuff like that, where you go, how do you make a ravioli like noodle kind of thing out of something carnivore? So it's really fun to see that. And then to get even more ideas and more inspiration for making your own recipes, if that's what you're into. So I definitely recommend people check out your stuff. Yeah, it's a huge creative outlet for me. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and I wish you the very best in your whole health journey. Thank you so much for having me on and same to you, like just watching you grow and thrive through this has been amazing. Oh, thanks so much. And we will talk another time. I'm sure. That was really fun. I really enjoyed talking with JC and learning from her and hearing more about her experience. So I hope you got a lot out of this episode today. And before we wrap up, I don't want to forget our special segment, What I'm Loving Lately. And what I'm loving is nutritional yeast. It's so tasty. This is something that you can sprinkle on your meat or your vegetables or your dairy-free tortilla pizzas or your dairy-free, gluten-free lasagna, anything that you want to taste like cheese, but you're not actually going to use cheese, you can use nutritional yeast. And it's this kind of, uh, it's like a powder, kind of like flakes that you sprinkle on your food. And it's amazing. It tastes so good. It's just like the flavor of cheese, but it's not going to be like the texture where it's stringy or, um, you know, it's not like that. It's more of a powder. But I put it on my meat pretty much every single day. If I were eating vegetables right now, I would definitely put it on my vegetables too. And a lot of my homeschool nutrition students use it as well. And one of them has told me that she's actually liking nutritional yeast more than cheese now. And she makes these uh, gluten-free, grain-free, dairy-free tortilla pizzas at home. And this is helping her kind of get past eating pizza. And she says that she actually prefers the nutritional yeast on there rather than cheese. So that is pretty cool. I'm going to link to the nutritional yeast that I like in the show notes, and you'll find those at projectketopodcast.com backslash episodes backslash S6E9, like season six, episode nine. So check out that link if you're looking for some nutritional yeast and you're trying to get off of the cheese. That would actually be another really, really good tip for anybody who is, maybe you binged on some cheese or some dairy over Thanksgiving, and then it's so hard to get off of. Because did you know that one of the reasons why dairy is so addictive is because of the caseomorphins in the dairy. And when you eat dairy or you eat these caseomorphins, it actually lights up receptors in your brain as if you had morphine. 
So it gives you this huge pleasure hit. And then when you don't have that anymore, you don't have that type of pleasure and you crave this morphine-like pleasure hit. And then you want to keep going for the dairy. So believe it or not, it's not just all about the flavor or the taste or the texture of cheese. It's actually way more about the chemicals and the pleasure that it gives you in your brain. So if you're struggling with getting off of dairy, maybe you need to just set that aside and load up on the nutritional yeast so that you have something to kind of trick yourself that you're eating the dairy. And then do lots of things that give you pleasure, like go out in the sunshine, get um, put your feet on the ground if it's warm enough where you are, get exercise, have sex, have an orgasm, all of these kinds of things. Dance, laugh, have fun, listen to good music. See if you can get yourself away from the TV, away from the screens, away from the darkness and get outside, have fun and give yourself pleasure hits in ways that aren't going to be something like cheese or junk food so that you can begin to move away from those things. And then you just get these little, little sneaky tools like nutritional yeast to help you out. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I hope you had a beautiful Thanksgiving. Please remember to review this show on Apple Podcasts or take a screenshot of you listening and share it with your friends and tag me on Instagram at Madeline Rosie Evergreen. I will catch you all in a week. 